0: Good morning, guys. How's everybody this fine morning? Everybody feeling good? Awake? Had your coffee? I'm on my second cup. <laughs> some of you guys are like, "Hey, that's weak sauce." I've had three already. Well, um, I'm going to kick us off with some prayer, and then we're going to jump right into uh, right into Galatians together. Father, we we thank you for this morning, this new day you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather, draw us near to you, grow our love for you. As we look at the scripture, remind us of the gospel, set us free from the rat race of works-based salvation. And may we become a people who understand that the only way to please you is by faith, not by works. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, let's jump right in to Galatians chapter 1. That was the homework that I gave us to look at and to use the inductive Bible study method to walk through this. And so what I want to do... First is just uh, pull the audience here and, uh, and, and come up with the seven steps we talked about from last week as it relates to, to how to study the Bible using the inductive Bible study method. And I want to remind us before I get into that, um, why do we study the Bible? Anybody? Why do we study the Bible? I heard somebody mutter it over here. To know Jesus, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to become like Jesus. It's not to be um, rogue scholars of the Bible. Uh, it's, to, it's to know, love, and, and obey Christ. So very good. All right. Who has uh, step one as it relates to the inductive Bible study method? Number one, where do we start? Start with the background. Start with the background. And what's involved in the background? Who wrote it? All right, let's start there with Galatians chapter 1. Who wrote Galatians? Paul did. How do we know? Because it says so. <laughs> Very good. What's the next part of, of, uh, of, of the background? To who? Who was it written to? The church at Galatia. How do we know that? Because it says so. We're not just making that up. Because it says so. All right. Did anybody do any study on, on where Galatia is or, or what was going on in the church? Anybody do any of that? Modern okay. Modern day turkey. Any other info we, did we get? Anybody else?
1: Good. Yeah.
0: Good. Good. So we're kind of narrowing it down to an area. Anybody else? All right. What's the next part of this this background question? What type of literature? It's an epistle, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a letter. Now, for just a minute, why is, why is that important? Why is it important that this is, this is a, that we, we approach it as a letter and not as prophetic, for example? The manner of address. It's the manner of address. So that, that then tells us how we should interpret it, doesn't it? That, that the things that are said are things that, that we don't have to find allegory behind, right? If it says it, that, that's the way it is, right? Good, good. What's next? When. When. Why is it important to know the when? Why might it, why might it be important to know the when? When was it written? For context. For context. For context. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Crawford uh, was preaching in First Peter, and he was sharing about, um, about suffering and how we should honor the emperor. I don't know if you remember that sermon or not, but he brought up that the emperor at the time was a guy named Nero. It's really important for us to understand the history because he's calling, Peter was calling the, the church, the, the, the people of God to honor the emperor as supreme. Well, it's one thing for us, if we don't know that it's Nero, to just think, well, maybe he was a good guy. But when we understand that it was Nero, we understand what he did to Christians, that begins to change what it truly means to honor somebody in a place of power, doesn't it? Okay. The same is true as it relates to understanding the things that Paul's writing to the church. Do you guys find an approximate date? 49? Anybody come up with something different? Okay. Okay. We don't, necessarily, uh, we don't necessarily have to agree on the exact number, but the point is that it was somewhere with probably between 48 and 58 that this took place. Okay? So as you're relating to the timeline, um, if you guys are familiar with, um, with, with, with the timeline of Christ, Jesus was born a little bit uh, before um, you know, A.D. stands for a year of our Lord. And that, and that, many people think that Jesus was probably born a couple of years before that, and so at about AD 30, Jesus would have been somewhere between 31 and 33 years old, and so it was probably right around uh, 31 to 33 that Jesus died, rose from the grave, and ascended, and then so we've got some we've got some time that has passed as it relates to uh, to when things were written. Now, some people would place this book a little later. Anybody place this book a little later? Somewhere, maybe somewhere around 70. Now, where do we come up with those dates? Where'd you guys get that? Okay, very good. And why does that play a role in this book? Very good. So now we're beginning to date the letter based on what we know about Paul's mission, missionary journeys, what he was doing and what was going on in his life. That begins to tell us a little bit about what happened. Now, let's, let's back up for just a minute. we got a date. We, we know that he wrote it to a church called Galatia. We know that Paul wrote this. Um, what, what does the relationship look like between Paul and this church? Anybody do any, any study on that? How did this church come into existence? What does this relationship look like? And are you guys familiar with Paul's missionary journeys?
2: Yeah, I guess this probably met him on, I think, the second missionary journey. Okay. So either he might have founded it or was early on with okay. founding it. Okay. And so uh was early on in the
0: formation of the church of Galatia. Okay. So Will, Will is, 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 uh, is letting us know that, that this was, this was um, Paul, Paul helped found this church on one of his missionary journeys, quite possibly on maybe late uh, to, to second, late first, maybe the early second part of, of his journey. Um, have you guys ever taken, a, 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 I've never done this, but some of you may have, taken a journey um, uh, actually overseas, gone through modern-day Turkey, Checked out Asia, Bithynia, those areas, and looked at the route that Paul took and when he did it. you guys ever done that? Bob, have you been on one of those? Okay. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you have found to be true about, about uh, Paul's journeys and how that may, may play a role in, in our understanding of, of this book?
2: Well, first of all, it was a rough journey. It wasn't uh, flat. Passed through. Mm. So all those journeys had their, I mean, it was strenuous in and of itself. Yes. But um, people were much more tribal. And so there was an awful lot of uh, competition or almost uh, nationalism to their area. whole new framework for life and adopt it, because you're fighting the tradition which has a lot of history. And these people tended to be uh, aggressive, would be one way to say. Mm. go back 4,000 years before Christ, and this area was a key area that we get the Anglos from, the Saxons from, the Jutes from, uh, Lower Scandinavia, the Vikings, all of those. So this was not a people that were easily accepting Mm -hmm. of someone new, Mm -hmm. nor... That was common. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people were rough
3: people. Yeah, yeah.
2: And uh, again, because it's tribal, there's no national government coming in <laughs> to take you know, that's not <laughs> And so you talk about needing to trust God because you literally are in the hands of these people who are uh, rather aggressive. Mm. And you are attempting to touch a framework that they
1: already have.
0: That's a huge challenge. That's exactly right. Thanks for sharing that. Um, one of the things that, that I was hoping would pull out is what Bob just said, is the idea of the independence of these people. I mean, just, um, I don't know if you if you guys have ever experienced um, a, a neighborhood or a people group or an area with just a strong identity based off that neighborhood or that area. Any of you guys ever grow up in, in a neighborhood or anything like that? Tell me, Tell me about that. Where's that? Well, I said Roswell. Roswell. <laughs> well, we're we're rich. We, we got money. We like to go to McDonald's. Yeah. Anybody else? I grew up in Queens, so there was a in Queens. Sense of yeah, real neighborhood. Yeah. Block parties and that kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were some of the things that it meant to be from Queens? So, to say you're from Queens, what did it, what does it mean that you're from Queens? okay Uh uh-huh uh-huh so so that that that's your neighborhood that's your world okay okay anybody else Wow. That we might live in here that
1: would be walled in mm. with one gate in and one gate mm-hmm. out. And um usually uh there's extended family that mm. lives in that community as well. Not just uh just neighbors, but right. you know, sisters and brothers and their families as well. But it's 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 walled in.
0: Yeah, sometimes it, it begs the question, is it designed to keep us in or keep people out? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else come from a place of strong identity? The, the idea here for us, as we as we begin to interpret, is to understand that as Paul was, was uh, writing this letter, he's, he's writing it to real people. This isn't just um, this isn't just a letter that's being received um, by um, by 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 a guy. That, uh, that hasn't had a history, that hasn't had a past, by, by a lady who, who hasn't been formed by her culture. These are, these are real people that live in a real place. And, and, and that, that means something significant for, for us, is that when we begin to translate this, when we begin to look at this, when we begin to interpret this, because um, somebody's done the hard work of translating for us, we, understand, we, we begin to get into the mind of the people. What is it that they were hearing when Paul began to say this to them? Why was it so important that the thing he's saying is the thing that he's saying? So we're going to get there in just a minute. What's, let's, let's move on to, uh, to step two. What, what's step two? Paraphrase. 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 Anybody want to share with us? A paraphrase. Uh, specifically, let's use let's use verses six and seven. Anybody want to share with us a paraphrase of verses six and seven? Yes, sir. Keep it between the ditches. Okay. Okay. Good. Keep it between the ditches. My dad used to say that to me a lot. Yeah, that must be one of those white white guy phrases right there. Keep it between the ditches. We uh, growing up, my dad always had uh, beat up beat up cars, and um, when I was learning to drive them, we I I was learning to drive it out on West Texas roads. You know, those West Texas roads uh, oftentimes were were flat uh, for about thirty miles, and so a five year old could drive that bad boy. Uh, you just got to keep it between the lines, keep it between the ditches, so, so that's good. So, so something's going on here, isn't there, theologically, something's going on in this church. They've come to know Christ recently, last week we started with John chapter 1, we got down to verses 12 through 14, and, and John says this, the law came through who? Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now all of a sudden, we've run into a problem. doesn't take long, and all we want to do as human beings is go back to the garden and make the same sin. We want to figure out a way to do something in order to earn favor with God. We want to find a way to do something in order to make ourselves something. When the truth is, our identity always comes from who God says that we are, right? So back to the garden, God tells Adam and Eve, I'm the creator, I have created you in my image, therefore I want you to go and create, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, this is who you are, you're in my image. The enemy, the deceiver, the liar comes along and says, God didn't really say that, you're not truly like God you're not. You're not who God says that you are. You need to do something in order to become something. They take from the fruit, they believe the lie, and it begins us towards a constant working of trying to become. We see that creep into the gospel in the church at Galatia. Paul says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. There's that word grace. And are turning to a different gospel. Some of your your translations may say turning to another gospel. In verse 7, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ, And he says this, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So, based on your, your, uh, your summary here, Keep it between the ditches. What then would we say would be those? What are the ditches? What are the boundaries? What's going on here? What's taking place? You guys have read the, the first chapter.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I guess keeping it between the digits Mm -hmm. is, you know, stick to the main thing and not
3: layer on, you know, all these Mm -hmm. additional things. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm not much of a tradition guy. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: hmm mm-hmm. that's exactly right what's going on here historically anybody anybody want to speak specifically so carl ester did a great job of saying here's a reality people are showing up and bringing their legalism did you guys do any study and figure out what that legalistic specifically was with the, the? okay That's right. And uh, Paul was saying that's fake news. Yeah, that's good, Ken. So what Ken said, if you couldn't hear him, is that some, 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 some Jewish boys who, uh, who thought that uh, the law was more important than grace uh, wanted to mix the gospel with the law and wanted to make them uh, be circumcised in order to truly be in the faith. When, when um, the reality is... Jesus didn't lie when he was on the cross and said, it is finished. And so there was a disconnect between the uh, Jewish people who grew up knowing relationship with God through the law, which is interesting because that was never how it was intended to be. Relationship with God, according to Genesis 12, uh, as it started with Abram, has always been through faith. Uh, And the law shows up to show us the righteousness of God and how we don't live up to it, but but how how we need God to step into our life and to change us and to and to give us mercy and to give us grace, um, and so we show up, and 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 this church is trying to get off the ground. Uh, this tr- the churches in Galatia, there were probably more than one. They're trying to get off. The, they're 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 get, they're getting going. And Paul hears that it doesn't take too long between some of these good, before some of these good Jewish people roll up and say, Hey. You need to be like us. This gospel of grace, that's not going to work. You've got to do something. You've got to do something. Yeah.
2: So, did these Judaizers, did, did they come from the church at Jerusalem? Did they come from James? Or does it, cause it seems like what it says, right?
0: That's a good question. So, throughout the, so I don't know if you heard well. We'll ask, where did these Judaizers come from? Did they come from James? Um, did they not? So anybody, before I, I don't want to answer every question. Anybody have a, have a thought on that as it relates to, uh, to what took place? I think we can look at Acts and get a good idea of, 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 uh, of where these people came from. Anybody have any ideas? So there's, there's a couple of things going on right now in history as it, relates to, um, as it relates to those who are coming to faith who are Gentiles and those who are coming to faith who are Jews, some things going on, and the church is trying to work this out. But then you also have a whole other group, <laughs> and they're the Jewish people who, who, who are not Christian, uh, who, who have not placed their faith in Christ, and and they're looking around, and, and they're they're who Paul used to be in some sense. They're they're saying all of this is bad. That 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 is that is um, that is not who God. Jesus is not God, and you shouldn't. You're you're all going in in a in a in a in a, in a bad way. You're following um, Jesus who really isn't who he claims to be. So you've got three camps taking place right now. Um, as well as just the reality of you're in a region where they've worshipped many gods for generations. So, so, so th- there's, there's, there's all kinds of culture going on. It's kind of this melting pot. It's, it's kind of like one of those beef stews that your mama used to make where you're not sure what's in it. There's just all kinds of craziness going on all at once. And so what, what's taking place is that the church is trying to figure out how they're going to operate um, with, with this new reality that God, the, the mystery of the gospel, is that it's a gospel of grace, not law, and that the Gentiles are welcome in. If you guys remember the story in Acts, God reveals to Peter that, that the Gentiles are going to be saved as well. And there's a problem because those who have come to Christ who were Jewish are having a hard time separating their racism, uh, 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 getting over their racism in order to walk together. A lot of racism going on, a lot of nationalism going on, where, where, where the Jewish people who have been raised up believing that everyone else are dogs and they're God's people, they're having a hard time recognizing that, that, that God is grafting others in to the tree, into the branch, into the vine who is Christ. And and so what's taking place are these people are showing up and they're trying to mix what they've known, trying to mix what they've known about how to walk with God with what Jesus has revealed. And so you've got law and you've got grace coming straight at each other and it's like a head-on collision in a football game. And it's just nasty. And so what's taking place is Paul's coming back and he's saying, hey, 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 hey. Don't 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 uh, don't go down that road, and I'm about to remind you why. Because the gospel's this gospel of grace. It's it's, it's not about what we can do to earn. So to answer your question, um, these these people that are going forth are not carrying the power or authority of the church. Uh, the church is is is. Um... <sighs> And here's the here's the problem. <laughs> here's here's the problem. The church is a mess right now as it relates to Jerusalem. The church is trying to figure out where they stand. And so, is, as, as, uh, you, did this
2: happen before or after they got together and wrote the letter that they were
0: sending out? To the church? Yeah. So I think it happens. Uh, I think it happens after. I think it happens after. And 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 so the the, the problem is is that there are now people. You see, you you see a bit of division in the church already. You see a bit of division. You see people who who, uh, in, in our opinion, now twenty you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, you can look back and you can say there's a good chance these people weren't in Christ anyway, that they missed the gospel altogether, and they're continuing to try to work it out by works. Uh, Paul calls them in Philippians. He calls them beware of dogs, beware of the mutilators of the flesh. Beware of these people who are walking around like, like uh, they're wolves in sheep clothing. They're trying to come alongside you, and they're bringing a whole other gospel. And so, no, this is not a group of people that are carrying the torch of the church of Jerusalem, of Peter and James, and saying, hey, you've got to get this right. Instead, these are people who have gone out, and they are doing their best to try and um, to bring people along to what they believe. Here's what's interesting. Most heresies in the church start out with good intentions. Most heresies in the church start out with good intentions. People who who we would call heretics, which is interesting, we throw that word around a lot. Uh, I think we misuse it often. But most most people who we call heretics um, didn't start out to lead the church astray. They started out with good intentions, and they just end up walking away from some of the very things we're talking about today, which is why I thought Galatians 1 would be a good passage. That at some point, they didn't look back and recognize, here's where we stand in church history. Here's now how we translate what's taking place uh, in the scripture, and let's work these things out together. Yeah. You, had, you had two dynamics going on.
1: First of all, the, the collision of mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the pulling apart of, of evilism and heresy. That's right. So it, it just wasn't,
1: you know, like one direction to fix. It was like
0: arrows going in all directions. Yeah, a lot of things going on. A lot of things going on. Anybody else before we move on have a, have a summary they want to share with us? A summary? Uh, you can, why, why don't we do this? Let's move on to a different verse. Somebody have a summary for verses eleven and twelve. Eleven and twelve, in their own words. Good. The gospel is not something I picked up from somebody else. I got it from Jesus directly. Got it. Jesus is my teacher. Why do you think it's important that Paul makes that statement? It's establishing credibility. Because some people are questioning whether or not he's truly an apostle. That's right. Question his authority. At this point, the apostles are, are really only the people who walked with Jesus, who saw Jesus for those three to three and a half years. And now Paul is basically not only claiming the right as an apostle, but eventually the church hands it to him. James, Peter, uh, they, those, those who, who Paul claims uh, to be pillars in the church, uh, those, those guys end up giving it to him. Do you guys remember... He makes a statement here that he heard it from Jesus. How did Paul hear it from Jesus? You remember the story? He's on the way to a town called Damascus, and what is, what is he doing? He is going to go kill some Christians, and if he doesn't get to kill them, he's going to throw them in jail. If he doesn't throw them in jail, he's going to do whatever he can to make their life bad. What happens? What happens on that road to Damascus? He's, he's, he's knocked off his donkey or his horse, right? And what happens? He was blinded. He's blinded. And who shows up? Jesus. Jesus shows up. Jesus himself shows up. Remember what he said to Paul? Jesus, why you persecuting my people? He says, what? Why are you persecuting me? What else does he say? What's that? Yeah, it's, it's hard to kick against the goads. Anything else there? Who's, who, who, does, who does this voice claim to be? What does it say? Remember the story? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And so Paul has an experience with Christ. He has, he has a, 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 an encounter with Jesus and his life changes. His encounter is unlike most people's encounter. He had a radical transformation. Paul then, part of Paul's story, is that he didn't go straight into ministry. He spent some time walking alongside a couple of churches and a couple of elders, being trained up in the way of the gospel. And then he is sent out. Remember the story of how he is sent in Acts? What happened? They're all meeting together. The church is meeting together. Remember what church they're in? They're at Antioch. What takes place? Holy Spirit moves and says, Set apart from me Paul and Barnabas for the work of ministry, and then he sends them out. And the church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to sprout up from Jerusalem, from Antioch, now throughout the region. This is important because Paul is writing to the church at Galatia that he helped start, and he is, as, as, as our friend over here said, trying to help, rem- help people remember his story, help establish credibility. If you ever found yourself in a place where you should have credibility, but it's not given to you, you ever found yourself in a place where there should be credibility due based on what you've experienced or a role that you're in, but for whatever reason things are running around crazy, this is kind of what Paul's experiencing, This is a church that he's given birth to, a church that he loves. And now these churches are going astray. There are real people in these churches that came to know the gospel of grace, that came to know Jesus, and now they are being led astray. They're being led astray. And Paul needs to show up, and he needs to reestablish some credibility and quick or this church is going to be in some real trouble. Some real trouble. That's why the next part of what he writes is so important. Let me read it for us. Then we're going to continue through our study. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. Check this out. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my own people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. But when he, who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, then he says, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And he keeps writing, he says, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. getting a little lengthy here, but he's making a point. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They were only hearing that it was said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. They glorified God because of me. here's Here's what's going on. Paul is saying, listen, if anyone is going to tell you to be circumcised, don't you think that it would be me? Did you catch that? I'm not lying to you guys. I've received the gospel from Jesus himself. If if anybody was going to tell you to follow the ways of Judaism, wouldn't it be me? Look at my life. Look at my history. Look at my background. Guys, rest. I'm the authority on Judaism. (laughs) Now I'm the authority the authority on the gospel, because I've heard it straight from Jesus who has all authority. I'm letting you know that this new way that's been brought in, this new way of of earning favor with God through works, this is not the way. This is not the way. In fact, this is the opposite of the gospel, and let them be accursed. So we've worked through a few steps Work through one, historical background. We've worked through two, write it out in your own words. What's step three? Questions and answers. answers. Anybody have any questions? What, What questions were brought up when you read through this? And then I hope that you answered them because that's part of the goal. But I want to hear your questions, and then, we'll get, then we'll, we'll get to your answer. Anybody write down any questions? Some of you guys are like, I didn't do the homework, man. <laughs> question, yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. His question was, how did Paul hear? Did you say you, do, you don't have an answer? Okay. Yeah. How did Paul hear? At this point, I think we're going to be speculating. How did Paul hear? Um, you know, there, Historically, there are some ways that, that Paul would, would know about certain things, and that's because he stays in relationship with people. We see in Philippians that the church at Philippi sent um, help to Paul through a man, and that man ends up almost dying, but he was letting Paul know what was going on in the church. He was He was giving a gift to Paul that the church was bringing to them, and so things like that were taking place um you know i don't I don't know that I've got a specific answer to that, but I think historically it would seem as if churches stayed in relationship with uh with one another it was, uh they didn't have cell phones back then, so they had to <laughs> they had to had to send or email that's right, yeah.
2: That's right. I'm sure him being interpersonal with the church and starting it wants to hear
0: letters or back and forth. Yeah. And the point is, he heard, right? That's the point. He, He heard this is what is going on. Anybody else? Any other questions? Yes, sir. What does it take for Paul to serve God? Yeah. Okay. So it says in Galatians one ten, I'm now for a man not in a man
1: of God? Or so am I trying to please man? If I, him, if I was still trying to please man, i would not a servant serve Christ. Mm.
0: So his mission was not to please That's right. Good. So the question here was um, based on verses. Verse 10, what, what is Paul's goal? Is it to please man or, or please God? And, and Paul says, listen, I'm trying to please God. That makes me a servant of Christ. In other words, he's saying, hey, I'm willing to step into this mess. I'm willing to step into this mess even if people don't agree with me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. What did Paul do in the three years between 17 and 18? I think Acts teaches us a little bit about what goes on there. Um, you know, uh, it, it, that's a good question. Did you come up with an answer for that? I said that he's being trained by God. Yeah. He's, he's in that preparation mode. Uh, so so let me, then let's ask that next question based on these questions that we're asking. How is that important to us? What does that, what does that teach us from this text about, uh, about um, our relationship with God? Because I think it's here. I think this is something we need to pull out from this text. Paul's making a point, and he's belaboring the point because he likes to do that. He's the king of run-on sentences. And here he is, man. And he's saying, this is my background. This is how I got to where I am. This is why I'm trustworthy. So what do you think, what do you think uh, is the importance of him laying that out? Yeah, that it takes time. It takes time. And, and, and that it's taken time in Paul's life, and he's been, he's been trained up by God. Uh, good. Anybody else? Any other questions that, that you answered?
3: Um, you know, uh, about it, because
1: I mean, if, I, if I was just reading it as history and mm-hmm. in
3: the past, I would miss the opportunity to connect it to, um, you know, what we're seeing and uh, experiencing. Good. Um, Mm-hmm. The, the, um, you know, and the, the, the main thing about this whole, whole book centers around relationship mm-hmm. with God and relationship with,
0: with, with others. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's the gospel message. hmm hmm Yeah, that's good. Were you guys able to hear, hear some of that? Um. That's good. It's a good question. The question is, how does this apply to us? Are we still dealing with some of this? Well, 1,500 years later, Luther was dealing with the same thing. Same thing. It wasn't circumcision. It yep. works. That's right. Yeah. No. That's right. It's probably the same today. Yeah. There's all kinds of things that come out. That's right. The, the, the biggest issue here wasn't necessarily, so circumcision was what was being seen but the heart of the issue was, was a legalism, going back to the law to earn favor with God instead of relying on faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So all of us then, here's, here's the takeaway, really the big takeaway, is all of us have a choice to make as it relates to um, how we're going to live our life in Christ. We can choose the door that says trust God, or we can choose the door that says effort. And you can fill in the blank on whatever that effort looks like, but there's only one way to please God, and that's faith. And most of us don't like the faith door because it almost seems like there's nothing for us to do. Jesus would agree with you walk with God. Trust him. We're afraid of that, though, in our culture. And interestingly enough, every culture has been afraid of this because we believe that we have to do something, goes back to the garden, in order to be fully loved by God. We need to do something in order to be in right relationship with God. And so we're going to get to that in just a minute. So let's move on to the next part of this study. What's after Q&A? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And how can I, like, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm curious what was his second and third line.
2: Mm-hmm. Because once mm-hmm. you tell
1: me that, you know, I walked with Jesus mm-hmm. and Jesus told me all that,
0: why couldn't Will say that? Why right. Why I say that? Right. And, I, and I'm curious as to how
1: was it, did he have other
0: people vouching for I mean, how? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a great question. And that's one that um, I think is answered in chapter two a little bit. And I know that, that we didn't do chapter two, but chapter two is basically the idea that Paul gets around the church and the apostles and they say, yes, yes. In a lot of ways it works that way for us today, doesn't it? That's how we raise up elders as we take a look at people's life. And first, I believe it's First Thessalonians, Paul tells the church at Thessalonica, he said, it's not only that we shared the gospel with you, but our whole lives as well. It's this idea that, that, that we get around people and their life reveals what they're claiming to be true as true. And so then there was a moment where the apostles then affirmed, this guy is the real deal. What he's saying is true. We're getting behind it. They put that good seal of approval on him and said, now this is it. And he goes into some detail about that. So let's move on to the next one for the sake of time. What's, what's the next step? We did some Q&A. Cross-reference. Cross reference. Man, there's some good ones in this passage. Cross-reference. Anybody want to share one or two? Cross-references help us better interpret What is going on here? Because we don't want to lift one verse from a passage. We talked about that last week and arrive with a bumper sticker slogan that doesn't really speak to what we think it does, right? So what cross-references better help us understand what's taking place? Anybody have one? Yes, sir. I like how one cross-referenced over to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 as far as false calling. Okay, good. Can you share that with us? I called you. I called you. Okay, good. So, so Paul is basically he he understands the scripture. What he's saying is, listen, this is, uh, I mean, this guy. I'm, I'm going to say this. This is this is PG thirteen. This guy. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to PG. I, I thought about it for a minute. Let's do this. This guy. Uh, this guy was not <clears throat> afraid to roll up and reveal who he was. He had the intestinal fortitude to show up and claim Mm. this. Can you imagine? I mean, he knew who he was. He knew who God had called him to be. But at the same time, he was profoundly humble, recognizing where he had come from and that he's just a servant of Christ. He's only claiming what he's claiming because he knows that God has put him in a place for a reason, for the good of the church. Mm. That's good. That's good. Okay. Cross reference anybody else? Dan, you got one? Good. Good. That's right. right. That's right.
1: And so he tried to introduce to the rest of the church. Uh-huh. So you look at the sequence there. He's in Damascus, where he'd come to arrest the priest.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They believe in Jews. I started to say, Christians. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: right. Slight, right. That's right.
1: So Christ is teaching him all through his life. Uh-huh. When he said, the Lord I serve stood with me and he's on the ship. And he, that's he right. Said, we're going to be shipwrecked, but we're all going to be saved. Mm-hmm. The Lord has appeared to call
0: all along and teaching him. That's right.
1: That's right. Before he ever goes to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Then, after he goes to Jerusalem, he goes back home to Tarsus for 12 years before Barnabas comes and gets him and says, We need your growth there. We need you in Antioch helping us. That's right. So he's been teaching and
0: growing up in the Lord all of that time mm-hmm. before he becomes ever available to teach the church and to uh to start his missionary journeys. That's right. And that's really important for us as it relates to our own journey, because we want to—we want to uh, waste little time, don't we? We oftentimes—this is a sin of my life—I greatly overestimate what God can do uh, in my life in five years, and greatly underestimate what God can do in fifty. And 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 and, and Paul seemed to have a humility to say, "I need to be trained." I need some time, but at the same time, I'm not waiting around. I'm like, I'm going to share the gospel that I know. Uh, I think sometimes we don't live in a balance of that. It's we're either training or we're doing. When really we're called to do both. We're not going to wait for 15 years before we share the gospel as Christians. But at the same time, we need to recognize that there needs to be a maturity in our life before we can we can find ourselves in positions of leadership and authority. And those things take time. That's good. Any other cross-references? Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Yep. Nice Here it is. Here it is. It's by faith, guys. It's by faith. One of, one of, my, one of the cross-references I have written down, You know, it's verse, in verse 8, he says, But even if we, are an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 11.14. Right? We see we see that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. That's the one you're talking about, right? Yep. We see Satan masquerades as angels. You ever sat there? You ever thought about this question? This is a question that comes up when I read this. But even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you? Why would an angel roll up and preach preach a gospel contrary? Well, because it's, a, it's an angel that's fallen. It's, it's a fallen angel who's who's not about serving Jesus. It's about serving uh, his own purposes. And this is really interesting that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So so, uh, if you look back at different um, religions throughout uh, the course of history, they tend to all point back to an angel of light. You ever notice that? Go back and listen to the, the history of Mormonism. Who, uh, who invented Mormonism? Where did he claim to get a vision? Who did he claim to get a vision from? An angel of light? Go back and read up on Jehovah's Witness. Where do they claim to get an angel? Listen, deception, deception is so easy. Because it seems so right. Deception is so easy because it seems so right. Yeah. Jesus did say, your eyes, darkness, darkness? That's right. What do you think? How do you think that works out here? Share that with me. Come on, man. You got to preach now.
2: Mm-hmm. we can be deceived into
0: something that is damnation. That's exactly right. It's so important for us that we look at the Scripture and have a right way of interpreting it, or we can wind up down a real, real bad road. Real bad road. And as you look at the history of Christianity, there are a lot of different denominations, a lot of different, to an extent, I would even call some sects, uh, that, that, that lead people... Astray, because they walk away from finding interpretation in the Scripture, and instead they're getting it from what other people say. Right? Yeah, right over here, Carlos.
1: Uh, that is the last warning from Jesus and the disciples, and they, they ask them, tell, tell us one going to be the last, uh, the last the, the end mm. of uh, of the times." He say, "Watch out! The, watch out! That nobody deceive
0: you." Mm-hmm that's right deceive deceive it's out there and the reason galatians 1 i think is important for us to work don't don't get caught up in the process i said this last time don't get caught up in the seven step process this is this is not uh how to this is not alcoholics anonymous don't get caught up in the seven step process okay The point of all of this is that we draw nearer to Jesus, that we're interpreting Scripture correctly, so that we don't end up like many in the Galatian church and many in our church today that have been deceived for a lot of different reasons, because we don't understand how to stay uh, focused on what the true gospel is. So we're talking about cross references. What's the next step after cross references? Insights, insights, so I've been kind of dropping, so we've been dropping some insights all along, but I want to propose, I want to add this from last week. I want to give you guys four questions. These are four questions that I use just about every time I read the Bible, and this helps this study stop, uh, it helps this study become more life transformational, if that's a word, <laughs> and, uh, and less, um, less academic, Four questions, and this is where I like to use them. is right here at the Insights. Question number one, who is God? What does this text tell us about who God is? Not what who you think God is. <laughs> Not what you've been told who God is. But what does this text tell us about who, who God is? Who is God? Question two, what has he done? Based on this text, Who is God? What has He done? Based on the Scripture, who is God? What has He done? Remember, we're cross-referencing. We're looking back at what the Scripture is. Who is God? Number one. Number two, what has He done? Number three, who are we then? In light of who God is and what He has done, who are we? Who are we? Our identity, once again, comes from who God is and what He's done for us. Okay? Last question this is the question we like to ask first, and it gets us in a world of trouble. You got the church at Galatia in trouble. It got Adam and Eve in trouble. What do we do? What do we do? That what do we do question better come far, far, far after who are we in light of who God is and what he's done. You see, action comes out of identity. We don't do our way into identity. That's another gospel. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not the gospel of grace. Action doesn't lead to identity. That's the gospel of Batman. Remember remember the Batman with uh, with Christian Bale where he says, it's not who I am underneath that defines me, but what I do. That's, That's wrong, Batman. Right? Jesus says... You are who I say that you are because of who I am and what I've done for you. Second Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Verse 21, we have received his righteousness. So, so if, if the church at Galatia, if you and I will understand that we stand fully clothed in the righteousness of Christ, not because of what we have done or what we are going to do, but because of who God is and what he's done for us. Now, all of a sudden, when these false gospels come up, they're always, interestingly enough, always, every time, pushing us to do something in order to become something, we can pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. This is not the gospel. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. We begin to feel that yoke getting heavy and that burden being burdensome. We recognize that at some point we've walked away from the truth of the gospel. We're trying to do something in order to earn the love and favor of God. And that is not good news. That's John 1 law, not John 1 grace. And if we don't get that, If we don't get that, then we're going to approach everything, even these seven steps, as another law to force us to do more so that if we don't, we feel bad. And so my my hope for us, my hope for this whole session for for last week, my hope is all leading up to this point. The gospel is good news because of who God is and what he's done for us. The gospel is good news because that gives us a new identity. And if we read the Bible with any other lens, we're going to find ourselves missing out on the abundant life that Christ offers. We may find ourselves saved and rescued, but we're not living in the blessing of Christ. We're not living in the peace of Christ. And Carl Lester said earlier, have we been duped? Church, I think we've been duped. With, with good intention, I think we've been duped. I think the church has bought into the Genesis 3 lie that we're not who God says that we are. That we're not righteous in Christ. That we're not fully loved that we've got to do something else in order for God to be pleased with us. And so you and I walk around carrying burdens that Pharisees have put on us that Jesus once removed. We've we've walked around missing out on the good news of Christ. And so I want to ask you guys this question. Why are you here? What made you desire to get up at 5:30 or 4:30 in the morning come to a 5:30 study was it so that you could know Jesus more and be transformed into his likeness better understand his perfect love or was it because you felt like you owed him something Was it because you felt like it's time that you did something? Because God's not pleased with you. Why why did you make the decision to be here? The decision to be here, uh, being here is a good thing. But the way we approach everything leads us to a destination. And and part of my story, part part of my life, As I spent most of my life in Christ burdensome and weary and tired because I didn't believe who God said that I was. And so I made disciples so that God would love me. I shared the gospel so that God would love me. I woke up at 4 a.m. and went to 5.30 meetings so that God would love me. I joined ministry so that God would love me. I preached the gospel so that God would love me. I love my wife so that God would love me. I love my kids so that God would love me, and every time I didn't do those things, well, God didn't love me. that's not the gospel. I was duped. And, and I'm not blaming it on anybody. I'm blaming it on me. I missed the gospel. Maybe the gospel wasn't preached clearly. I don't know. I do know this that the lie of Satan constantly chirping in my ear, you've got to do more. You've got to be more. You're not who God says that you are. You're not fully loved, fully favored, fully blessed in God. You're not standing in the righteousness of Christ. Look at your sin. You're terrible. I believed all those things. Instead of the things that God says, I love you. You're standing in my righteousness. I'm not going to be any more loving towards you or any less loving towards you tomorrow based on what you do or don't do. You are fully favored, fully loved, fully son, fully brother. This is who you are. Now go live out of that identity. And we struggle with that in the church because we want to do. We struggle with that because we're afraid that if we tell people who they really are, they're going to not work for Jesus anymore. When the reality is, nothing can be further from the truth because you have a new identity. Your new identity causes you to want to do the things that God wants you to do. The church of Galatia didn't recognize it, but they were falling into the Genesis 3 trap. They should have looked back. They should have studied scripture, they should have looked at history, they should have understood that we please God by faith, Abraham, Genesis 12, that we are who God says that we are, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and that we stand fully clothed in the robes of righteousness in Christ, and that on our worst day, I'm Christ in Josh Lilly. And when we get a hold of that, it begins to set us free. Because we can study the word at five thirty, every stinking morning like I did for years. And if we're doing it because we want God to love us more, or we want to become more of who God already says that we are, then we're just gonna absolutely go down a path that doesn't lead to blessing and freedom, but that puts us back under the law. And the law the law is a curse. It's not freedom. Where does it end? Where does it end for you and me today? How do we finish with this inductive Bible study method? What's what's the final step? time to summarize it's time to say this is what God has said what am I going to do about it what am I going to do about it and so my prayer for us is that we don't study the scripture to know the scripture but we study the scripture to know Jesus my prayer for us is that we would apply the truths of the gospel who God is and what he's done for us and who that makes us into our life so that the things that we're doing would flow out of our identity instead of trying to create an identity. That's that's my hope for us. My hope for us is that when we see Galatians 1, we see that we're just like the church, (laughs) that that it's easy for us to be deceived and duped, but that God loves us. And so I want you guys to spend a few minutes. We're ending a little early. Spend, Spend a few minutes writing down your takeaway. What did you learn about the gospel? What did you learn about the importance of studying it the right way? So as we walk forward, as we move forward together, we're walking in the true gospel, not in something that we've created. Let me pray for us. You guys then write that out. Uh, You can talk about it at your groups, and then you guys are, do you have anything We pray. Father, Father, you love us. We're so thankful. We don't deserve your love. We were enemies of the gospel, we were enemies of of Christ. Our sin was like filthy rags. We, we turned our back on you. We turned our back on the truth of your love. Yet, you demonstrated your love for us so clearly. And that while we were still in the muck and the mire and the sin, you sent Christ to live for us perfectly, to die for us sacrificially to raise for us triumphantly so that the work would be finished. So that by your grace alone, nothing that we can do. By faith that you've given us in Christ, we can stand before you holy and blameless. May our pursuits of knowledge fall by the wayside in comparison to our pursuit of knowing you and our pursuit of being transformed by your love and our pursuit of being changed into Christ's likeness Lord we we tend to find ourselves walking in another gospel regularly the gospel that we received of grace and truth and faith is a gospel that quite honestly we don't believe and so we try to work it out ourselves only finding that it leads us back to the door called self-effort we just we, we need to repent today We thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you for meetings like this at 530 that help us better know you, Jesus. May all that we do and why we do them be for the right reasons. Give us takeaways. Help us to better understand how to study the scripture so that we can know Christ. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.